Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. For those of you who have been here through this month, uh, you know we're doing something a little different. We're actually going back to the basics of the Ten Commandments. I'm using Eric Butterworth's book called Breaking the Ten Commandments. And, and yes, every Sunday we've been breaking a few of them together, or at least breaking them down into perhaps their metaphysical meaning. So we've covered the first half. And what we realized was it had mostly to do with our relationship to God. So, so when we broke any of the first four or five commandments, really what we were saying is we're kind of dissing God. We're saying that God isn't as powerful as we would like. We're, we're saying that we rely on other things more than God. And of course, the, the trouble with that, it isn't, uh, you know, we're beyond the smoting stage. Uh, it's not that lightning bolts are going to come down and nail us. But what we discovered was when we diss God, it shrinks our availability of the love and the life that exists. Like, as an example, if we, if we put all of our good, say, into a job, into a certain paycheck, if that's where we think good comes from, the trouble with that is that's not infinite, right? You could lose that job. Uh, the salary could, could somehow dry up, right? When we put our faith into something larger than that, God truly is infinite. And so there's, there's kind of no worries in that sense when we place God above all others. And so that was really the idea among the, really the first four or five commandments is it's God first. When we, when we treat God as our source, all goes well. Now you might be thinking, really Larry, are we going to cover the rest of them today? We're really going to do all the thou shalt nots in one day. Surely things like killing and adultery could, you know, take more than a minute or two. Well, um, as, as I have been doing, we're not going to actually cover the 2,000-year-old literal meaning of these commandments. So just to give you an example, though, for instance, we probably have mistranslated uh, commandment number five, thou shalt not kill. For example, it's probably more a word like murder, for instance, than kill. And if you think about it, even a subtle change like that, in fact, modern translations of the Bible say thou shalt not murder. And if you think about that a little bit, wow, that's a little bit different take on things, isn't it? So if someone breaks into my house and someone dies as I'm defending myself, probably not breaking one of the Ten Commandments. So, so uh, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, the, the nice thing about the Eric Butterworth book is he will give you an idea of what really was meant a few thousand years ago when the commandments were written. So give you a better idea of perhaps how we have maybe misinterpreted them a little bit in the literal sense. What I am going to do though today is talk about the metaphysical meaning, something that really doesn't change with time. And yes, we're going to cover all five of them. Let me start though with a brief, uh, uh, a brief getting started piece out of the book. He says, we have repeatedly stressed that Mosaic law, the the laws, the commandments from Moses, were intended for near primitive people. Certainly infants need playpens. Children need fenced in yards. Teenagers may require curfews. Adults, too, occasionally need the reminders of keep out, private property, no smoking. However, 
Children also must be readied for life by making these restraints progressively unnecessary as they develop self-reverence, self-knowledge, and self-control. For if the person refrains from stealing only because he is afraid of being caught, he is harboring a grave limitation in consciousness. So the warning here is, yeah, we would certainly be perhaps better people if we followed all of the Ten Commandments to the letter, but we also might be missing a larger point, that there are actually some guidelines here, there are actually some rules for living that go beyond the exact interpretation of the words. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So what are these last five of the Ten Commandments? I'll give you the Larry edited version. They are simply, thou shalt not kill, commit adultery, steal, lie, or covet things. Okay? So that's the list. Why are they thou shalt nots? I just want to talk about that a minute. Why do you think, in fairly unambiguous terms, Moses said, these are things that we shouldn't engage in. Aren't they things of the world? One would think that the Ten Commandments would be more something about God. And certainly the first of the commandments were things that had to do between our relationship and the divine, our relationship with God. See, I think Moses even was a good new thought person. I think even Moses recognized that all of us are part of God. And so the second set of the commandments, the, the last five of them, even though they're having to do with how we treat each other, how we treat one another on the human realm in terms of lying or cheating or stealing or whatever it is, I think even Moses recognized, well, wait a minute. We too are spiritual. We are spiritual beings having the human experience and we should be treated with the same dignity, with the same love, with the same reverence, with the same care that we would treat anybody, even God itself. And so even though they're lower in the Ten Commandments, right? And I mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago, that I think on purpose they're listed in kind of a hierarchy. So you might say, well, these are the bottom five, you know, so I break a few. <laughs> Nonetheless, I think Moses was just making it clear that no, we need to treat each other with the equal level of dignity and love that we would treat God itself. Okay, so why then, or I should say, what is the metaphysical meaning then of these commandments? I think we should start with a joke. So while visiting the United States in the year 2000, the then Pope, John Paul, met with the then President, Bill Clinton. And rather than just as an hour meeting as scheduled, the meeting lasted for three days. Finally, a weary President Clinton emerged to meet the media. <laughs> Smiling and upbeat, Clinton announced that the summit was a great success. He said that he and the Pope agreed on 80% of the matters they discussed, and he was now going home to the White House to be with his family. The Pope then came out, a very different picture. He appeared tired, discouraged, close to tears. Sadly, he announced his meeting with the president was a failure. Well, confused, one reporter asked, but your holiness, the president just announced the summit was a success and the two of you agreed on 80% of the issues. Frustrated, the Pope said, yeah, but we were talking about the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Actually, by my tally, it would have been more like 70%. Just, you know, not, not that I'm keeping track or anything. So what happens when we break the Ten Commandments? In particular, 
what happens when we break the last, those thou shalt not commandments? You know, one of the things that concerns me isn't so much some divine retribution. I really don't believe in that. I don't think that there's some force outside of myself or some celestial guy sitting on a cloud that's going to somehow zing us or punish us. But what I do recognize is that when we break these commandments, especially the last five against our fellow humans on the planet, it's like we're breaking ourselves in a way. And I want to talk about that for a minute. Because when we break one of those commandments, what we're saying is, it's okay for the world to be less than. We're almost inviting, if you will. If we, let, let's say that we steal something, even in a moment of need, even in a moment when uh, uh, maybe we don't have the money to pay for something. And so it might see, seem that stealing would be somehow okay. The trouble with that is, is then we're saying that stealing in general is okay. And we're really taking a little bit of our own self away from ourselves. We're saying, I am not good enough, I'm not powerful enough, I'm not strong enough to play by the rules that humanity has set up. And so my world is just going to be a lesser than world. And when we invite that lesser than world, I got to tell you, it will accept the invitation, right? We should be only so ready to have people lying to us if we lie to others. We should be only so ready to have some of our things perhaps stolen if we steal from others. When we have said that something is okay when it's not, we're giving tacit permission to the universe to treat us in that same way. And so... I think the one way to look at it is when we break a commandment, we break a little bit of the humanness in us. Now, I believe spiritually that we're always whole, that there always is that spark of divinity within that we can call upon. There's nothing that, that can't be undone spiritually. And so that wholeness persists in us. But on the human frame, on the human realm, when we break a commandment against one of our, our fellow humans, we diminish our humanness, literally. And I want to use um, a couple of examples. Um, one of them is a pretty straightforward one around thou shalt not steal. So I was talking um, actually to an old boyfriend of mine the other day, and uh, he's getting ready to retire. And he said, I don't know how on this planet I'm going to be able to survive on the Social Security check. And of course, I'm thinking, well, now, wait a minute. You like worked in one of the nicest restaurants in Portland for close to 20 years, how could it be that your social, well, come to find out, guess who wasn't reporting all the tips? Probably close to a third of his income never reported. Do you see what I mean? Now that may not have seemed like stealing to him at the time, and yet what he was basically telling the universe is, it's okay to cheat. It's okay to not pull my weight in the usual way. And here, you know, 20 years later, you see the result of it. I want to use another example that, um, that actually um, colored a big part of my life. Um, so in my 20s, I was right at that age where a lot of my older friends were um, uh, conscripted um, to fight in Vietnam. 
And although I didn't go, I watched friend by friend as they would be drafted and leave and go for training and, and, and spend their time in Vietnam. And then I watched them coming back one by one. And I gotta tell you, probably more than not, many of those men were changed in ways that were so very, very painful to observe. And now some of them directly had killed other human beings, others just in that environment where, where violence and the insecurity of not knowing what was gonna happen, that there could be missiles or bombs or exploding trucks, just the, the constant anxiety as well as the, the witnessing and actual killing. These men, many of them were changed in ways that recovery nearly impossible. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, Chuck, and he said, now what are, what are we? Are we removed by 40 years now? Something like that. 40 years later, he says there are certain TV programs that he just cannot watch or he'll bawl. That there are certain um, periods of time that he can remember and when he does, it's like the day is done. He just needs to call it a day when those thoughts and memories come up because he really can't function. This is what happens when we break some of the commandments. This is what happens. It, it isn't so much that, that outwardly things happen. I mean, certainly they do. Don't get me wrong. I mean, when we steal from someone, that other person is affected. If we, if we cheat on a loved one, certainly our, our partner is affected by that loss or that feeling of betrayal. But what I worry about sometimes even more is the person doing the breaking. Is that who we are? Is that, uh, see, see I think of it as us really dissing ourselves. I don't know how to say it in a different way. I, I think that we must be viewing ourselves as less than in order to come up with those things. And when we do that, when we say I am less than, when we say I, I, I have to steal in order to make ends meet, like, a, like, like my friend did on his income taxes, or, or when we say that the only way I can find love is, is in this unorthodox way, we're really diminishing our own sense of power. We're saying, I'm not capable, I'm not lovable enough, I'm not powerful enough to do things in a way that's kind to others. And we simply are setting ourselves up, I think, for the fall. All right, talked a little bit about doom and gloom here. I wanna put it also in another perspective, if you're willing. And that would be simply to ask you, and does it ever work out? Let's just get really practical for a minute, right? We've all had occasion of breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Now, some of you are looking at me like, I ain't raising my hand. <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't blame you, but, <laughs> right? Yeah, you don't want to be that person. But, uh, but let me share something. You know, not too long ago, I went to one of those uh, high school reunion things, right? Where you see people you haven't seen in, I don't even want to tell you how many years, but a long time ago. And I gotta tell you, I was right on the point of telling a few nice big fibs. Have you ever been there, right? 
right? You don't want to say, hi, I'm Larry, and I've been a loser. <laughs> and of course, I, I don't picture myself that way. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I mean, oh my gosh, Murph, the kid that I used to, 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 to get into little squabbles with when I kid, he's the mayor now, right? And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, what could I say that, you know, maybe I should say that we have 500 people here on Sunday, right? Because that would be more important, right? Maybe I should say, do you know what I mean? And I'm sure we have all done that, right? Haven't we? We've either done some minor exaggerations, we've confabulated a bit. There are pieces of our lives that we haven't told the entire story about. Some of us have probably fudged a little bit on our income taxes or done other things that might qualify under the idea of stealing. And I just want to ask you, did it work? See, I don't think it actually works. I think the, desire, the reason we're doing these things is there's a desire to have something different occur. Like, did I feel any better when I kind of exaggerated about my importance in the world? I actually felt worse because I knew I was fibbing, right? What I was essentially saying is, I have to fib so that you'll like me. I have to fib so that you'll think I've been important. It actually had quite the reverse effect. I felt less good about myself. And I would suggest that any of those things are true. When we, when we break any of the commandments, we think it's going to somehow help us. If, if maybe we're on hard times and we think, well, you know, no one's using this TV in the common room of my apartment building. And, you know, my brother-in-law would probably give me $50 for it. And I could really use the... Um, and, and, and I mean, these are real world problems that some people are faced with in the nature of poverty and what their lives is. But does it actually change anything up here? See, when we cheat, when we steal, when we lie, when we do any of those things, we're just moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic. <laughs> right? It's not really solving a problem, right? We get the $50 from the TV and we spend it and then a week later, I need $50 again. We're not changing my mentality of poverty. Right? If I tell some fibs or whatever, I momentarily feel better about myself, right? It's like, yeah, that was me. And then, and then about 10 minutes later, I'm right back where I was again. These are not solutions. If we want to change our poverty, it starts up here. If we want to change our love life, it starts up here. If we want to change our abundance in the world or our, our ability to feel good about ourselves, it doesn't happen by making things up or, or cheating the rules. Truly, the commandments are here, not in the sense that, I don't know, is it St. Peter that writes in a book or some fantasy around who's been naughty or not? Oh, no, that's, that's Santa. I, I, I get, I'm sorry. I do get confused sometimes. That isn't why these, these ancient rules are important. They're important because they give us some guidelines 
on how we can live a life that is full and beautiful and joyous. Not meant to be punitive at all, really meant to simply be a guideline on how we can live life to the fullest. So if we don't want to diminish ourselves, if we don't want to uh, really futilely try uh, making things different, we need to go back to the true way of making our lives better. And that's through the power of our thinking. That's through our own ability to create a different reality by changing our mind about it. So if I am feeling like I'm not important enough or stylish enough or, Lord knows, handsome enough, when I go to that class reunion, where do I need to start working on that? Those sound like self-esteem issues to me, right? It's like I start right here. I don't need to go any further than looking in the mirror in the morning and say, Larry, I love you. Your life is blessed and sweet and wonderful. If I'm feeling poor and that I don't have enough money to make ends meet, stealing really isn't going to change that. It's my, my own approach to the abundance of the universe. When I put God first and recognize that God is the full abundance of all things and that truly nothing would be denied in my own life, if in my own world, if I hold it as such. Now, now might I have to work a little bit for it? Of course. But the change happens first in my head. When I have an attitude of abundance, when I have a, a belief in wealth, that's, that's when the better jobs come my way. That's when the promotions happen. That's when I find new sources of income and new ways of living my life. It isn't because I'm trying to sneak my way around some rules or something. It's from my heart and it's from my mind being open to the goodness that is here, being open to that lavish abundance that is in God itself. And so the Ten Commandments, interesting. I wonder if it had been titled differently, we'd have a, a, a better idea of it. Do you know what I mean? Because stated as it is, it does sound a little bit like the keep off the grass sign, doesn't it? Really what I'm thinking is they're not so much commandments as they are the means by which we can live to our fullest the means by which the 100% the pure spirit in us can be recognized outwardly in a life filled with love and joy and peace. And, and yeah, we can, we can take the letter of the law. Do you know what I mean? We can literally, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be really much more scrupulous around this. And, and that will actually help us, even if we didn't do anything other than follow the rules. But... Oh my gosh, when we actually understand what's behind the rules, then I think it's almost impossible for us to make mistakes. When we realize that those last five commandments are there to allow us as human beings to really honor and love one another with dignity and pride and to, to raise the consciousness of the universe, to, to allow everyone to participate to their fullest, when we realize these are really the recipes for a loving and joyous life, then it has a different flavor to it. Then even though they're, they're phrased in the negative of what we shouldn't do, I think they highlight the loving and wonderful and joyous and fulfilled life that we can have, that we should have, that God says is for us. I'm going to close today with a, a final quote from this book. 
He says, we come to the end of our study of the Ten Commandments, but every end is also a beginning. The commandments are commended to you for study and reflection. However, however, the weight of Judeo-Christian transition notwithstanding, do not keep them literally. Break the code and find the keys to your personal power. I have offered some clues and you will find others but it will be significant only if you make a commitment to work for the changes of consciousness that each commandment suggests. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one wholeness. Truly everything on this planet and beyond is God in form, in thought, in deed. And when I recognize that God is all there is, I recognize that all of the love, all of the abundance, all of the peace, all of the joy, all of everything is available to me because I'm part of God too. I am part of that consciousness of the consciousness of God. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person here, that each person here, as they set their sights on that higher power, on that divinity, that divinity within they recognize that the fullness of life is always within our grasp. That each of us has that ability to have all the love we desire, all of the peace we desire, all of the abundance, all of the joy, all of the growth, whatever it is that's in our heart to, to have or to be or to, to have experiences of is for us within the power and the scope of God. No need to cheat, no need to lie, no need to steal or kill. Those are not solutions. Those are just actions. The solutions come from within. They come from that consciousness that is God's, that God consciousness within each one of us. And so I am simply grateful for this. I'm grateful in recognizing God in each person in this room, knowing that in the fullness and the wholeness of spirit, we can always make the right decision. I'm grateful for this. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.